0: So today as part of our podcast series, which is powered by UPSA Global, we have the honor to interview Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So Ron also worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA, with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So Ron, welcome back to the show. Thank
1: you, Julian. Happy to be with you today.
0: Great. So Ron, what I wanted to cover uh, today was... First, talk about the 2026 Soccer Walk-Up in the U.S. And then we'll talk about the uh, NHL expected to reach $5 billion in revenue. And then, of course, we'll talk about the Warriors winning another NBA title. Uh, And then we'll cover the uh, kind of, I wouldn't say the rivalry, but the the Live God versus the PGA Tour. And then we'll talk about Nadal's 22nd Grand Slam title at the French Open. How does it sound? That sounds great. Great. Right. so the first topic is, you know, the, um, the FIFA announced the, the cities that will be hosting the 2026 soccer World Cup in the US. Now, I read a study that, from 2018 that found that North America could collectively see $5 billion in economic impact or $3 billion to $4 billion in net impact after factoring in infrastructure investments. And the individual cities each of the cities that will be hosting the World Cup could see 160 million to 620 million in economic activity or 90 million to 480 million after subtracting public costs. Anyway, so they're going to see an impact. So, what is your take on the World Cup and the uh, economic impact that it could have on the US?
1: Well, I think we should first describe it as uh, uh, North America, as you mentioned, because uh, there's two. Two cities in Canada, Vancouver and Toronto, two wonderful cities that are also going to host some games in the World Cup. And then in Mexico, there are three cities, one of which is Mexico City, which is one of the largest cities in the world. If you've ever flown in there, you, it, especially at night, the the whole s- circumference of the Earth seems to be lit up, and that's of course where the '68 Olympics were held, with with Bob Beeman's jump and uh, and then John Carlos and Tommy Smith's situation with the with the gloves and some of the racial injustices of the 1960s. So the 11 cities in the United States, New York, North Jersey, uh, Lakers, Dallas, excuse me, Los Angeles, Dallas, San Francisco, Miami, Atlanta, Seattle, Houston, Philadelphia, Kansas City and Boston. So I think it's really good for the United States and it's really good for those 11 particular cities in our country and the other cities we mentioned in, in both Canada and Mexico So that's uh, those people come to watch those games they got to fly in and out of the airport they have to uh, we call it heads and beds right they've got to eat someplace they got to sleep someplace and uh, it's real money that comes in and give our economy uh, a jump start. so I think it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so it's definitely going to have an impact. And that, that would be the, the last time they had a World Cup in the U.S. was in 1994, if you recall. Right. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great World Cup. So, and it's going to help, you know, to drive the adoption of the MLS, which has been growing, right, quite, quite significantly over the years. I year, think so.
1: so. Uh, soccer, of course, the number one sport in the entire world, there's no question. I'm thinking basketball might be number two, though cricket's up there and and it's uh it's something that gives the mls and the united states more credibility you know we're used to having the best of everything supposedly in leagues and we definitely the mls is not even close to the best league in the world for soccer it's probably somewhere between 10 to 15 and maybe that's generous Uh, but it certainly has gotten some stars out of uh, south america and stars out of Europe that has, has helped the league get more credibility and, and up the level of play. So th- this can only help us as yeah. uh, in the soccer world, uh, especially globally.
0: Yeah. Especially if, uh, cause they've been talking about having Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo to come to the MLS, maybe play for the inter Miami. So
1: those things can help as well. Right. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, well, we saw what Bendit like Beckham did. I remember when yeah. he signed that contract and they got actually, yeah. Yes. He played with the LA Galaxy, and that gave his credibility right, right, right away. Yeah. It was like a two hundred and fifty million dollar deal with endorsement deals in it and commercials in it. And he brought his uh, lovely wife with him, and she's a high profile person too, from the uh, Spice Girls. And uh, yeah, I don't know that he was really the best best time of his career. It was age like thirty two to thirty seven. But uh certainly uh the movie bandit like Beckham and uh just his presence gave it instant credibility that it did, that it did not have before.
0: It did. And and I think he kind of gave back by by launching an MLS franchise, the Inter Miami after that. So he did the kind of the team owner of that MLS
1: franchise. So I think that was a, that that was a big help, I think. Um Yeah, that that makes sense. And he yeah. uh he came with a lot of a lot of credibility and a lot of swagger. Uh, very similar to what Wayne Gretzky did for the NHL when he went from Edmonton to the uh, LA Kings. Oh, I see. In uh, '88.
0: That's interesting. Um, that makes sense. So, look, the the second topic I wanted to cover was uh, the Warriors, right? The Warriors won their uh, fourth NBA title after mm-hmm. beating the Celtics. That's a pretty big deal for them, right? So, do you think that? where we're seeing a dynasty and that they could match uh, six NBA titles, which is what the Michael Jordan and his team did
1: in the uh, nineties. So they won four and eight years and they got a game seven in the game that the series, they were up three to one and they probably should have won that series, but they did it. They lost game seven uh, against LeBron and Cleveland. So, yeah, I think it's already a dynasty At, at the same time. Do I think they can get to six considering the age of the players yeah. Uh, if I had to pick a side, I would say, no, uh, it would not surprise me though, if they did. And they seem to have a lot of the guys under contract, the core players, but they made some really nice additions. Uh, Wiggins was a nice addition uh, to the yeah. team and uh, they've made some other nice draft picks. So they've got some young blood there too, uh, as these shooters get older. And that is of course, the last thing that leaves us as a basketball player, I think is our jump shot. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got to two more. I I I, I could go either way on that. You think I, they can? They can win two more titles. It's so hard to win to win an it NBA is. title. It really is, especially in today's game. And tonight, you we know, we got the NBA uh, draft coming up, and you know, you you just don't retain your star players that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. You also have to draft well, and you have to make very key, smart trades. And yeah. I think they've done those two things also that have kept them in, in the race uh, for next year and the year after that. But uh, you know, I, I think they got a chance of doing it, but I, I, I would not bet on it.
0: Okay, you know what's funny too that I read that uh, the Timberwolf, right? The Timberwolves, who I think, traded Wiggins to the Warriors. They yes. passed on uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They passed on Steph Curry before because of the Hanko, Hanko injury risk and they passed mm-hmm. on Clay Thompson, right? So it's kind of amazing, right, uh, to think yeah. that maybe the Timberwolf could have had a chance of uh, be, you know, winning a championship, right?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, that's what makes the NBA draft so important, when you have a chance to get one of those players. But, hey, uh, how many teams passed on Kobe Bryant, right? 13 teams passed on Kobe 13 Bryant. 13 teams. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and he got in 96 because they called him a high school kid. And Kevin Garnett had just come out the year before in 95 and he had a pretty good rookie year with Minnesota, Kevin Garnett. So, you know, people make mistakes. I mean, everybody talks about Tom Brady going in the sixth round in the NFL draft, but you know, the Patriots passed on him five times. If he goes in the sixth round, that means the Patriots didn't think he was worthy of a top five round pick. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you have to be judged on what, you know, two, three, four years after these drafts. And yeah, there's a lot of teams that are kicking themselves. Uh, the same thing with the box, right? Didn't they have, didn't they trade uh, the star player for the Mavericks? Uh, they drafted him and then immediately traded him to Dallas. Um, and they, and they, uh, they could have kept them. So, and the, and Kobe Bryant was selected by the Charlotte Hornets and then, traded, and, and then traded for Vladdy Dvok. So, <laughs> you crazy. know, you, you, it's Hindsight's it's always 2020, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um,
0: look, the, the 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 next topic I want to cover was the NHL. So, the NHL commissioner Gary Bettman says that mm-hmm. the league is set to generate record revenue this season, bringing mm-hmm. at least 5.2 billion dollars. Right. So, Bettman yes. credited the revenue increase to more scoring, which helped boost TV ratings. So an average of 6.28 goals were scored during the regular season, which was the highest since 1992, 1993 seasons. And Bettman even said that the 5.2 billion is a conservative estimate, but the number is still a significant jump from the last full season of 4.6 billion in revenue Mm -hmm. of 2018, 2019. So what is your take on that? What's going on with the
1: NHL? Well, uh, Batman, of course, was assistant to the to David, the great David Stern. Uh, David Stern in '84 took over the commissioner's job from uh, Jim O'Brien, uh, from uh, O'Brien in '84, in and did wonderful things with the NBA. So what what Batman did was he modeled the NHL after the NBA. So they got into terms like East and West, and they made it not a very digestible product for the the masses not just the hardcore fans who will always be with you many coming out of canada so i think the fact that they've recently got involved with espn and many of their games have been broadcast on abc which of course abc espn and disney are the same company that's like taking money out of your left pocket put it in your right I think that's given them a lot of credibility and broadened their base of fans. So I'm not surprised the revenue's up. One thing about the United States, it does feel like we favor offense and this may have hurt the MLS over the years. Like we like scoring, especially the casual fan, excuse me. So I'm not surprised the revenue's up. I think that's wonderful. I think the people out of Boston, the Fenway group that just recently bought the Pittsburgh Penguins were anticipating that bump. And that's why they paid what they paid uh, upwards yeah. of nine hundred million dollars for the uh, the Penguins, uh, kind of marquee team. So I'm not surprised by that, and and I think that can go can go even higher. Uh, the it just seems like a good time for that, and, and we all need programming. Uh, we've all been in our houses, and I just getting in, in, into uh, the hundred million households that we have, with the average household having three point two five people in it. The more households you can get it in, the more people you can you can turn into being fans. And of course, I think gambling's probably helped them a little bit, too. You know, I have people betting on hockey now. I mean, I never thought that was going to happen the way it would maybe for football or basketball. Uh, But that's happening. You know, how many goals are they going to score over unders, things like that. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by it. And I would I would consider that's going to continue to improve.
0: Yeah, I think that's, uh, you made some good points. I I have to ask you, what do you think is going to win the NHL? um,
1: I mean, the playoffs this year. (laughs) Don't bet on what I tell you, but I I would think Colorado. Colorado? Yeah, I would think Colorado. And why is that? I don't really know a lot about hockey, but I think they play a tremendous uh, defense. Okay. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know that you know, the other team's got great defense and we were just down there in Tampa and and uh, they, uh, boy, they love their team. And do they support that team in Tampa? I mean, they really do. So nothing would surprise me either way. You could flip a coin. Yeah. Uh, I, I trust your judgment on that. I'm not betting on that. I'm not betting on that. Who's going to
0: win? But, Please uh,
1: don't.
0: I don't. Um, hey, next topic. So there's been a lot of conversation and, and talk about the, the live or live live golf the league versus the PGA Tour. Uh, the <laughs> Live Golf League hosted its first tournament in London recently. So uh-huh. a lot, lots of PGA Tour golfers have already left the PGA Tour. and so the, the live golf uh, guaranteed Phil Jackson at least 200 million dollars just to play and Dustin Johnson has reportedly signed a deal worth at least 125 million. A figure uh-huh. greater than Tiger Woods career tour earnings of 120 million. So, right. uh, and just so you understand, <laughs> the, the, the Leave uh, Golf League guarantees every person who plays in the tournament a six figure payout. So, that's, it's going to be a five month season, eight events per season, 48 uh, competitors, 20 million in purse prize each week for individual events, and 255 million total season purse. Now, Uh because of that, the PGA tour commissioner already uh, mentioned that the players who resigned from the PGA tour, uh, will not be able to compete in the PGA tour. So what do you think is going on there? What's your take on that?
1: I think there's a lot of things going on. I think the PGA is worried about uh, being extinct. I think they are using the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia as as leverage to say that this is wrong to participate in it, and I, I don't know if that is something that uh, makes sense. It, it seems like they're they're handpicking one particular group. I mean, a lot of these China has some issues too, but yet we yeah. do we do events in China. Uh, so th- they seem to just be picking uh, that one as something to kind of rally behind, and you know. I, I mean, I have all the sensitivity in the world to the problems in Saudi Arabia for for, in human rights, but it seems like it's conveniently something that the PGA wants to really flame up. Uh, These people, these golfers, are professionals, so you know they get paid to play golf, uh, very similar to tennis, and they're individual entities and brands, and it is not uncommon that tennis players and golfers get paid for appearance to just try out, to try to, to, to appear and fly You're somewhere, go in a hotel and go golfing. Yeah. People will buy tickets to see, and nobody's bigger than Tiger Woods. They they will buy tickets to see these people golf. Yeah. And the same thing happened uh, going back over 20 years ago with Anna Kornikova. Uh, she would get paid a lot of more than half the money in endorsement deals is prior to the Williams sister's. Uh, hitting the uh the, the scene which was obviously a game changer for everybody she would get half the endorsement money so she, her purse to be able to just show up to play people will buy tickets to see her uh play in tennis that's uh it's not uncommon so now all of a sudden that that's a problem for the pga my question is where is this money coming from from mm-hmm. saudi arabia it, it Are they broadcasting the games on television somewhere and and making that much money that they can pay the players? This Uh, is it, is it ticket sales? Uh, You mentioned earlier when we were in the green room, just talking that the first match was played in England, right? So obviously England, England doesn't have a problem with the money and where it's coming from because they just hosted the event. And I don't know where the next one after that, I don't know if it's going to be something that gets moved around all of Europe, and maybe in the Asia, I'm not, I'm not sure where, where the next one is, but uh, I think the PGA is in trouble.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a threat. And, I, and as I mentioned to you before, I think it kind of reminds me of what happened with the, the FIFA Champions League competition. Uh, when the, a couple of big European clubs like Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City, they were coming together to create the Super League. And then after that, the FIFA kind of try to shut them down and threatened, they basically threatened all the clubs, the Real Madrid, you know, Man City to say, look, you can't, if you join uh, that Super League, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, some sanctions, right? right?
1: So they all right. drop
0: and then they all drop. In that case, uh, it went through because they started the competition, right? With the Leaf Golf League. So uh, so it's not the same, but yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely a
1: threat to the PGA Tour. There's no question. So if all these players go and they, and they play in this league and they travel all over Europe and things and they played the British Open before, so it's not uncommon to to play in other countries. Yeah. Then, then um, they could start their own league in the United States and they could dissolve the PGA and we could call it the the Tiger Woods League. I think people would still watch on television.
0: Oh yeah, I think you're right. Just to see Tiger Woods so, or Phil Mickelson no, and those oh, guys
1: yeah exactly and then they say well here's phil they do this when they they do the uh the united states versus the world or the united states versus england yeah. uh, this is this really nothing to do with the pga the, that those tv ratings are, are off the charts so i think the pga may be shooting themselves in, in the foot and i don't I think they're fighting for their own existence right now and some people say on a college note the same thing's happened with the NCAA like do we really need the NCA in Indianapolis because what if the the power 5 conferences all decided and maybe the big east for basketball decided to have their separate NCA tournament and that would probably just kill the NCA in Indianapolis
0: yeah, right? I mean, I, I, mean I,
1: I don't know if you're going to get to that point
0: with the PGA, but I think one thing to keep in mind is that when you come to things like NFTs, and Phil Mickelson was very vocal about the fact that the problem with NFTs for golfers to do their own NFTs is uh-huh. that the, the tournaments, the leagues, own the rights of those tournaments, which is where, you know, that's the value of those moments, right? The moment that would be based on NFTs, but they don't own the rights. So... Well, maybe day. that's
1: something that they sign, the player signs away to play in that tournament and they get paid, as you mentioned, very handsomely to, to play in the tournament. That's right. one of the ways that the LIV is able to recapture some of their, their revenue yeah. is, is by doing NFTs, the non fundable uh, tokens, fungible yeah. tokens. So maybe that's how it works. That's one of that. So it's just it's, it's a lot more than just television and ticket sales.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think it, it'd be great to kind of do a deep dive into the economics, right, of the leave. Uh, the I'm leave very curious.
1: I'm, I'm very curious how they can pay the players, all the players, that much money when, um, where is that revenue coming from? Well, I, I tell
0: you, I mean, in Saudi Arabia, as anybody knows, there's so much money going on from like coming from the gas industry and it's all tied together, right? So it's. Right. I'm not saying it's unlimited, but there's a lot of money. And when sure. you see all those soccer clubs including Saudi Arabia uh, you know some of those those uh, those kings buying european soccer clubs in europe in england yeah it's it's a known fact right so it's not
1: different what they are doing with golf right so they're in the, they're in the g20 saudi arabia they're probably in the g8 and they're one of the wealthiest countries in the world that's a fact
0: yeah. and 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 you know everybody believes that well so everybody knows by now that the 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 increasing gas of price it's not It's not due to the, the war in Ukraine and Russia. it's just due to the fact that those oil companies and many of them are in Saudi Arabia, they're increasing their profits so yes it's, so that's another factor on why they can get even more money to finance something like the Leave, the Leave League right? Yes so uh, but anyway, uh, I think it'll be good to dive into that. Um, the last topic I want to cover was Rafael Nadal, right? So Rafael Nadal has won his 14th French Open Championship this month and secured the 22nd Grand Slam title after defeating the Norwegian Casper Ruud in straight sets. So Nadal, Nadal has the most Grand Slam titles of any male players, right? So he's ahead of Djokovic and Federer. He's got two more Grand Slam wins than they do. So... Uh, Is he really the the greatest of all time, the GOAT? And can Federer and Djokovic catch up on him?
1: Well, since I think it was the year 2000, 2002, when uh, Federer was the first one to hit the scene, and then quickly Nadal and Djokovic, could you imagine how many of these guys, how many of these championships these guys would have won if they weren't going head to head against oh, two yeah. of the other exactly. greatest players of all time. Yeah. They they I think they've won every grand slam since 2002, 2003 except for maybe a handful mm-hmm. with some isolated guys that had won it. Certainly we we know for a fact Nadal's the greatest player on clay is now Oh yeah. I mean to win to win any one of them for 14 times, that's, that's got to be right. That's as dominant as he can get, right? Yes, absolutely. And he seems like a very likable guy. And um, you yeah, know, he's be- he's beloved in Spain. So uh, I agree. Earlier, you mentioned that Federer is the oldest one of the three, right? Isn't yeah. that true? He so is. I would think he would run out of gas before the other. He seems to be the very likable guy, too. He's very likable, uh, he, yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally, but yeah, uh, I heard great right. things about Roger, yeah is a great media presence, so uh, yeah, I think that uh, Jokovic is the only one that could possibly catch him. But who's to say he's not going to win a fifteenth in in, uh, in the French Open a year from now? So
0: yeah, and I uh, and, and I and I think that I mean, Nadal has a fair chance to win maybe Wimbledon and even the U.S. Open this year. So he could go for the the Grand Slam this year, winning the four tournaments on four different surfaces. So and how old do you know how old he is? He's in his mid 30s, right? I believe he's 36, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So right. right.
1: And I think I Roger mean, modern, is 38. I believe Roger is 38. And 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 he's had some real injuries, uh, Roger. Yep. yeah, uh, yeah. and then yeah, that's right. It, it seems like athletes in general are just playing longer, you know, and healthier and longer. The Tom Brady model, obviously, number one. But mm-hmm. the fact that all these guys are so good at the age they're at is, is very impressive. It is. It's very food, impressive. Food, diet, training, uh, trying to avoid injuries. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and who knows where it will be 10 years from now. But the longevity of athletes seems to be uh, stronger now than ever before, except for Major League Baseball pitchers. But besides them, everybody else seems to be playing longer.
0: Well, I'll tell you something funny. I, I've seen
1: some meme about some
0: jokes about Nadal and Federer and Djokovic playing until they're 50 years old. There are some jokes <laughs> on the internet. So I think it's definitely coming. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's amazing for them to be, to sustain the level of tennis, uh, you know, past 35, right? It's just incredible. I don't think we'll see that. I always season.
1: thought, like, t- tennis uh... – You know, basketball. Your legs and your lungs are like so important to you in sports like that, where you have to sprint in such uh, quick uh, mannerisms, baseline to baseline, uh, brush the net. You gotta, you gotta keep your, especially the stuff below the waist, right? Your hips your thighs, your hamstrings, your knees, your your shins, your calves, your ankles, your feet, like those, everything has to stay head to toe, but especially from the waist down, your legs have to try to avoid as many injuries as possible uh, uh, in your, in the, in below the waist, in the leg area in particular. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, as far
0: as tennis, I mean, it's very, when you play like a five set game on clay, that's got to. Right, It's got to so... be exhausting. Uh, And then when you play in Australia under like crazy heat down there, it's even worse. So uh, it's just amazing what they can do,
1: but these are athletes, right? So. Big time, big time conditioning. It's a 12 month a year, 365 days a year. Hey, I want to circle back to the warrior situation. One of the things, you know, having the Charles Barkley's and the, and the uh, Shaq's of the world. Really being critical of Traymond Green and some of the other warrior players and yeah. Kevin, Kevin Durant, it just seems to be a lot of um, real, I don't know, I don't I think hatred might be too strong of a word, but a lot of disdain between the players that are have a microphone in their mouth and they're on TV yeah. uh, who played in the 80s and 90s with the players today uh today is such a different style they have all these stretch four guys like everybody's got to be able to shoot the ball there's very little posting up but you know it, it I was saddened to see the post game uh Curry interview where and, and Traymond Green too it's kind of and Thompson all three the mm-hmm. three stars on the Warriors like what are they going to say about us now you know we've won four and eight years it's just like they can't even enjoy the moment because they're getting bashed on social media or television. (laughs) And it's just like, how did we ever get this bad? And I'm sure I'm considered it. They use the term "oh, old head. If they don't like what you're saying, the younger players, you know, these players today are more skilled than ever before. There's no question. And the NBA draft, all these young players coming in can all shoot and run and jump, but you know, it was a more physical game back then. Yeah, I think you're right. you know, it's just a different style. It's hard to compare eras, and uh, it's just unfortunate that, that there's so much venom out there <laughs> on both sides from the players of the, again the 80s and 90s in particular, and then the players today. And of course, I, there may be a, t- a little twitch of uh, jealousy. I mean, none of those guys were making even Jordan. They they weren't making 40 40 million a year. Uh, Jordan did pretty well at the very end on a couple of those one-year deals, but yeah. Uh, it's just unfortunate that there's all this back and forth and they just can't, it seems like they can't even enjoy the moment because someone's going to say something negative about.
0: It. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, everybody's asking, okay, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Oh, you know, was Michael Jordan better than Kobe Bryant or LeBron James? I mean, these are, oh. these were different times. I mean.
1: They really are. And, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, had the sky hook, and, you know, yeah. people say, you know, could he have done that today? And who's he? excuse me, who's he going to guard on the other end of the court? Well, who's going to guard him on the low block, right? Yeah. So it's uh, it's just unfortunate that they can't even enjoy. And, of course, winning is celebrating the temporary, isn't it? You know, it's so hard to win. It's temporary. And uh, they can't even do that now without somebody uh, saying something negative about them. So that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, social media is a big, big, uh, uh, it's a big factor there, right? So it really is. It really is. So uh, that's the way it is. That's the way uh, society is today. So different times. So look, we're at the end of the interview, but I really uh, enjoyed the conversation. So uh, thank you, as always. Thank you, Julian. It was great. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.